Hey, bumper away. Hey, this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour podcast, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. Listen up. Woo! That was awesome. Thank you. Cool, man. Cool, man. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. J.D. Crumb Third. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer. Wow, Mr. Smith, it is my honor. Uh, I appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit about your bio and try not to be too awkward or high school testy. <laughs> yes, I, and be sure to bring the part in about me going to high school in Tokyo. I was right. an exchange student. Right. Um, it took me about 10 years to get through high school, but they're smarter over there. Right. Um, so, you know, you can understand that. Actually, you didn't go to high school in Tokyo. Oh, is that what it says? Okay, that then was I the made up part of your bio. That actually. Oh, okay. Happen. Sorry, Jeff and I were joking. Before. <laughs> so you don't think I'm completely insane here. Right. We joked about me going to high school in Tokyo. I it's, went. I went to high school in a very smaller town than Tokyo. <laughs> you want to? I guess almost every town. Would be. I've been to Tokyo. Most cities are smaller than Tokyo. Tokyo's awesome. <laughs> Tokyo's great. Yeah. I, um, I loved it. The most polite, I'm serious, most polite people I've ever met in my life. So I went to school in a place called Menominee, Michigan, in Michigan's what? beautiful Upper Peninsula. It's a, Sounds nice. It's a very, very small town, about 12,000 people, about 50 miles north of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. Yes. And there was a Japanese foreign exchange student in my senior graduating class his name was now is that one really true it is really true and there and, and, and did he brings seaweed candy uh no oh. no um but the 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 interesting part of the story is is my very first air force assignment way back when in 1988 <laughs> was ah. to japan and really of, yes and one of the, I, I love japan where did you go I went to Misawa Air Base, which is like 400 miles north of Tokyo. Did they have seaweed candy? Mm, yes. I had plenty of seaweed candy. I married a Japanese lady. You know, Did you? Yeah. After after Japan, uh, I went to You Hawaii. had sake. I had lots of lots sake. Lots of sake. Cold you know, and warm sake. <laughs> In case you don't know, folks, the cold sake is the good sake. It is they better. Eat, they yes. heat it up because it's bad. Right. <laughs> Actually, I found out, I don't, I don't know if you drank a lot of sake or not, but I had this experience where one of my uncles-in-law took me out and just got me really, really drunk on sake. Ripper and drunk. Yes, ripper and drunk. And I was kind of mad at myself for letting him do it because I thought for sure the next day where I had to do all this running around and traveling with my wife and family that I was going to be thoroughly and totally hungover. You weren't? I was not. Wow. It was like magic. Interesting. Yes. I, di I, di I don't know that, but I, there used to be a Japanese restaurant. This is my favorite restaurant where I was living. Um, and I went there a lot, 
a lot. And I would spend a lot of money there. And then come Christmas time, December, about two weeks before Christmas, I was in there. Now, this is an interesting story because it actually backfired for them. They give me this huge bottle of sake, really oversized, like a Yeah, I've, I've seen right. those, yeah, gigantic yeah. bottles of sake. And, and, yeah. and driving home, I said to myself, damn, you, you spent way too much money there this year for them to give you this nice of a gift. And the next year, I barely got there <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> Like going, I started adding it up and I had spent thousands of dollars at this Japanese restaurant that wow. was not far from my home that I happened to love a lot. But the next year, probably a few hundred, you know, I just said, wow, you got to get a, you got to get a grip here, guy. You're spending way too much money at this one restaurant. So basically their, their overdone gift back there on them. So yes. if you're listening to this and you're thinking about what should I get that client for Christmas? Make it make it not seem like they've spent too much money. For you. <laughs> you know? Like That's if it's great. the client you really think you could buy the Rolex for, uh-uh. no, I'm telling no, you, no, no. I will give you my address on this podcast. You send it to me, I will not feel like I paid you too much money. <laughs> That's the best. So okay, on on Vroom Vroom Veer, we talk about uh, vrooming and veering and stories. Wherein, hopefully, maybe maybe you experienced an awakening, all right, without being That's too good, serious. An awakening sort of guy. Yeah, great. Yeah, because, you know, you are the... Let's talk a little bit about you before we get into vrooming and veering. So, okay. So, you help... Yeah, about me, Jeff, let's talk about you. Well, we'll, we'll do that, trust me. <laughs> it is my show. <laughs> it's <laughs> your show? It doesn't seem unfair. I mean, I've done like 450 episodes of my podcast, and, right. and, and all of a sudden it dawns on me, here I am, a guest, you know, on your show. You probably always have to talk about the guest. That's what I do. Right. We could just do a whole show and not even mention me. <laughs> no, that's no good. be a whole different way of doing because the show. Because I, 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 I always right. talk way too much about about me on my shows, you know, if there were listeners, they'd complain. <laughs> you know, there's something you want to say now, sure. and now it'll be, be sounding embarrassing if you don't go ahead and just say it. I'm right? on other people's shows, and usually I do, I self regulate my storytelling, but as best as I can, I, I do it anyway. So, anyway. so there you go. So, you help conscious business owners and business people. So, how do you define what is a conscious? business yeah, person? I think that's a great question. Um, and, and my focus is whether is there are people who want to build that six figure business and there are people who want to build the seven figure business. And, uh, and it's all part of a path because to get to seven, you've got to go through six. And most people kind of actually forget that. And they're not focused on the things that'll get them to six in a year. So conscious to me, in terms of a business, it's a business that usually it comes, but that's why I use the phrase heart driven is it's wanting to make a bigger difference than just putting money in your bank account. You really intimately care about your clients and your customers. You want to uplift them. You want to take them to a new place. You want to transform them. I mean, these are different words. You, you might want to wake them up. You might want to wake them up depending on the kind of, kind of services you are providing, right? right? So you want to help them. In my case, I work with entrepreneurs, so I am waking them up. I'm waking them up to what their real potential is. I'm waking them up to what I call their true north, their, their bigger reason for being on earth. And how does that translate into a high-profit business that they're going to be excited about getting up and building every day? And they're going to be touching people that 
they can actually do their best work with because they're the people they're on earth to work with and getting all those things lined up together. So it's bringing together, making a positive impact and high profits. That's conscious millionaire. So you do this. I know you've got a podcast. You've got two podcasts for crying in love. <laughs> I have two or, one or two more on the works. So. You know, if you've got one, might as well have two or three or four. Might as well. That's might what I well. said. <laughs> That's crazy. So you've figured out how to podcast. Why not do another podcast? Yeah. You know, no, I'm already, with you. You've I'm with devoted you. your life to this uh, art and science called podcasting. You're right. You're right. I got to get over my goddess. You know, the, yes, I just listened to one of your shows. <laughs> I got eight shows a week, you right, know, so right. just take your, you it's, it's one for every day plus a bonus one for Sunday night. You know, you've taken after uh, John Lee Dumas. Yes. he only has seven. <laughs> <laughs> he could have eight. If he could have he actually just, folks it's five on one show and then my health show has Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it's three shows, but I still have to do eight shows, but I'm fortunately um, I'm about six months ahead. But that's the way to do it. That's, yeah. that's the way I like to do it. Right now I'm not, but that's the way I like to do it. So that's one way you're getting your word out. You've got two podcasts and in, in, in the future you're going to We had a little over 2 million downloads our first year. That's so. amazing. And now we're on track for two and a half to 3 million the second year. Yeah, that's, that's so, awesome. Uh, so you're also a speaker. So that's that's in your wheelhouse, which makes sense because I it's kind of like podcasting. You like really. to talk. Well, I, I don't like know. to talk. I mean, I, yeah. So I if you're taking a disc test, mm -hmm. if you folks, if you know what a disc test, D is for dominance, I is for influencer, and then you have S and C, which actually have parts of those. Interestingly, well, and there's more of the details, the systems, the stability, and. I can go to 100. I don't know what the hell happened because I'm a 98 and I keep wondering what I, how I missed the other two points. <laughs> you know, like, I, and folks, I talk all the time. Why don't you give me the other two points? Sure. I think podcasting has, to a large extent, attracted all of us who are eyes. It is the perfect platform. Right. Yes. No, and I had this thought, and this is where I'm going to go off a little bit now. <laughs> Because you just made me think of something I thought about that I want to talk about. Just, I gotta say, go listen to my. I'm already way off on tinny twin tangents for me. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. So we're, I'm just hanging loose here. Wherever yeah, it's we, cool. No, but uh, when you said that, we um, talk about conscious millionaire and how to build a business. We will talk about that for sure. And we'll yeah. get back to all your bio. It's right in front of me. So as we go, we'll we'll get more into it. But let me let me do my thing here real quick because you said something, and it's um, I have to. Not just talk, but to interact, to think my best, I think. Does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about? Right. It's an interaction. I don't really want to. I'm the same way. Yeah. I don't really want to just sit in front of a microphone and pontificate. Or, I, you know, I can get on a stage and yammer for long periods of time. I just don't think most people would find that super interesting. I don't know. Some people do. Um, to me, though, it's less fun. Um, than just being in like, uh, my best idea is like a campfire. Yeah. Environment. Love, yeah. yeah. And you pass the talking stick. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you're not okay. always having to be, you know, the guy, you know, but you can throw in your joke here or you can pontificate for a little while and then shut the hell up and have a beer, you know, <laughs> you know, or let somebody else talk, you know, but it's the right. back and forth that I like. Yes, I do too. Yeah. I understand completely. Yeah. So that's why, to me, this 
interview slash chat slash conversation podcast format is something that I can, I would do for free forever, you know, and if it happens to make money and I figure that puzzle out, great. If not, who cares? Um, okay. So let's talk. You are also a Huffington Post columnist. How did that happen? There's got to be a story behind that. There is a great story. And um, I'm going to refer you, my book's Conscious Millionaire, Grow Your Business by Making a Difference. I'm going to refer you to chapter seven on Millionaire Inner Zone because this is how I live. And it's one of the things I teach because I think it's the number one skill that'll quickly make the difference in the level of success uh, that you have in your life and actually fulfillment. So I was at actually the California Women's Conference last year in California, Long Beach. Oh, yeah, nice. that does, does make sense. Um, <laughs> and I'll give a, a good a good shout out to Michelle Patterson, who's the CEO. And we actually had dinner together by a series of kind of synchronous events the night before it uh, opened. And in fact, she had just gotten her book right off, literally off the printing press. She They had just delivered it because they had a bookstore set up because there were about 7,000 people there. And she signed her first copy to me. And I had a copy of my book with me because my joke is I take my book to Starbucks with me and I keep a case in my SUV because you just never know when you're going to run into somebody you want to give that book to who might <laughs> your show or become a client, right? Right. So, yeah, I carry them on the plane. I got a lot of them on the plane. If you're ever near me in the plane, you can get a book of mine because I've got them on it's the plane. The, the book is business card. And the book, and I put the business card on page 66, by the way. I have a special <laughs> page that I put the business card on. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm a strategic kind of guy. So I'm there and I have dinner with her and I signed my book to her and we've now become great friends. She was actually the first person and the 200th person. And that reminds me, I got to do another show with her because we'll be doing the 400th show in a couple of months. Um, And we agreed that she'd be every 200 shows on my podcast. I love it. Yeah. So any rate, Arianna Huffington was one of the speakers. And, uh, So I wanted to meet Arianna Huffington, so I positioned myself to do that and had my book signed to her. Now, I have to say on the plane home, I'm jumping ahead in the story, but I'm coming back. On the plane home, usually I'm a big thinker. Usually I like to think that I'm a big thinker. And I said to myself, young man, you are not thinking big enough these days because I just wanted to plant a seed, to be honest with you. You know, it's like Arianna didn't know who I was. I've got a a book. You know, it's becoming a best-selling book, and I just wanted to know who I was. Okay. And uh, it's the best cocktail story because it's all true. So I had the book and I held it up to her. She looks at the book. She looks at me and she doesn't say anything for about three or four seconds. And then she says, and I was ever so proud of the way I I said yes. She goes, would you like to be a writer for the Huffington Post? (laughs) No. I said, and I just, in my best manners, really, you know, having been raised well, I said, yes, I would like to do that. And she handed me her card, and two weeks later, I had my own column. That's the best story ever. I know. The only problem with it is I have all my people keep contacting me. Hey, listen, can you get me into the Huffington Post? And I go, well, no. And then I tell them the story. And I go, you know, I don't don't actually know how to do that. (laughs) I only only know how it worked worked for me, you know, and I go through life living in this zone where Mm. synchronicity uh, just happens all over the place. If I go up and I'm looking for a ticket for something and they don't have like the front row center seat, then I know it's probably not the right concert. I literally go online and it'll be, they just drop the prices on the airline tickets or I'll go to the hotel site and 
you know, I'll talk to them on the phone and I'll cut 50% off. I'm not joking you now. No, I it's, believe you. I've, yeah. I've lived in that space. I, I want to get back, but I, I live there. I, I know yeah, that's so like. that's how I live. And, <laughs> you know, we, we were joking. This is actually, folks, this is my 10th show today. Um, so I think I'm doing pretty good. You're doing uh, great. Yeah, and after this, I'm going to a big benefit. Let me tell you, I'm taking a lot of cards. But we're both in our jammies right now, just so yeah. you know. We're fully showered. He's jammied. I'm I'm fully showered, but I'm in gym gym clothes. You're, you're but I'm, I'm going to be all I'm going to fancy myself up. But fortunately for me, two you know about five minutes is all the fancy I can do, and then I'm done. Yeah, I like it's it. a great thing, you know. You got to know your capacity in certain areas of your life. Amen. It's like I am a seven. I don't pretend that I'm a 10. I'm never going to be a 10. They're not putting me on the cover of a magazine because I'm a 10. Now, they might put me on the cover of a magazine, but it'll be because I'm a 7 who did something 10. Yes. Right? Yes. I do 10 stuff, right. but I'm a 7. I'm I'm perfectly capable with, you know, I'm fine with that. You're good with But I'm going to show up at. at a 7 in a 10 zone with a bunch of business cards looking for clients. I can assure you of that. There you go. And, and I know exactly who I'm looking for, and I figured if they went to the benefit, then then they're making some money and that means that's a good thing because that means they they could be a good client right i mean let's yes. be serious oh, isn't yeah. this isn't i show up at everything with a strategic outcome i never go to anything that i do not have an outcome for what i'm going to walk away with wow that's great everything uh, but but that's why i said to myself on the plane flight i said young man you are just not thinking big enough because you went to plant a seed and you end up with your own column <laughs> right? But I took the column anyway, and I write about conscious business, which is really nice because that's, you know, one of my favorite topics in life. So apparently you were born like a seven-figure dollar, a seven-figure uh, entrepreneur, right? You came yes, out the womb I, that way. Right? I, I did, and our family was just, well, you know, I got to tell you, we lived in a, in a mansion that was, I can't remember, 50, 60, 70,000 square feet. Right. You know, I had my own private limo sure. and, and, you know, and my butler. And your, uh, and your father was the king. And my father was the king, right? <laughs> uh, now, that's one story. The uh, the other one that has a lot more truth to it is I grew up in a little country town with two or 300 people, and we Ooh. didn't have any money, and nobody else did either. All right. And I it actually happened. You know Buddha. I know well, Buddha. He was a yes, prince. Yes, you know Buddha. Yeah, you all Buddha. We and, hang out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he was sitting under that lotus tree, right? So the lotus thing worked for him. Um, for me, it was the kumquat tree. I wasn't, I was standing by it. Now I was a lot bigger than me because I was only five years old, but I was standing by the kumquat tree, five years old. And I said to myself, now this is, was at that point, probably the most important moment that it occurred to me. And I said, you know, like I would go to the grocery store with mom and I was really very conservative family you know, went to church three times a week and I was taught to be well-mannered, right? Like I didn't even know you couldn't be well-mannered. I didn't know there were those options. Like right. you were to take out the garbage, you took out the garbage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was told- didn't you I, get the smackdown or something. Right. I, I, <laughs> I was told, yeah. Yeah. My parents were not abusive, but on today's terms, you know, yes. like if you take the belt to somebody, you're right. going to go to jail. I'm yes. not- that's a whole nother story. But at any rate, we'll get into they, that. They did take the belt to me a few times and I learned <laughs> to behave very quickly. And I was taught not to ask for the candy bar in right. the grocery store because we didn't have the money. And then you'd hope and pray to God, you know, that mom put some candy on the on the list because whatever was on the list, that was it. That's all you were going to get. And I was tired of that. I mean, at five, I can I was just I fed up with it. And I was watching on television, you know, and these people, 
you know, that lived in these big homes just seemed like they never had to worry about getting the candy bar. <laughs> they were always able to get the candy bar. It was like the candy bars are swimming. Yeah. They're swimming and, in candy bars. You know, we were driving Chevrolets, you know, and they were driving these Rolls Royce things, right? And I said to myself, I just don't think this is the life for me. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, just, I am not up for living this kind of life. Okay. And so I really sat there and pondered it. You know, like you're pondering the great meaning of life, right? You're, you're the thinker. You've got your, you know, you're, you're really going, going for that deep thought. And I'm like, ah, my God. And I just said it right out loud. I'm going to grow up and be a millionaire. Really? And ran at, in at the house. Five? I had, I had five. I had wow. figured it out. Well, you've got to admit it's a good answer, right? It is a good answer. Right. Especially yeah. when you can't buy the candy bar. Right. So I ran in the house and I told my parents, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire when I grow up. And I, I one, on the one hand, I think it was kind of like I'd run in the house and say I was going to be a policeman. Or an astronaut. At five, or an yeah. astronaut or sure. a fireman or something like that. But on the other hand, it was really interesting, the uh, the response that I got. Because I remember my mom very specifically. Now, I'm sure this was a meaningless moment in their life. You know, like 10 minutes later, it's all gone. Right. But not for me. It had changed my whole life. And she shook her fingers at me. She said, don't you tell anybody. Well, I'm, I'm proud to say, like any little boy or girl would do, I went around and told everybody in town <laughs> for about a year and a half. Wow. Yes, because okay. I, I was quite excited about the whole thing. And I'm sure there were a lot of, you know, little it's ladies. It's good to have that, a plan. It's good to have a plan. You got to know where you're going, right? Yeah. And I, there were this, it, it was a beautiful place that we lived out in the country. It was on a four by five mile lake. So I grew up playing on a dock and came full fishing because we didn't have enough money for a rod and reel. And my grandmother, you know, would make yeast balls and we'd, we'd dig up worms and I'd, you know, catch, you know, bass and brim. And then we'd, you know, take all those scales off and eat them for, you know, deep fat fry them for, for mm. dinner. And um, so there were a lot of women who didn't have any money. They'd retired from the North. This is Florida. Florida was a lot cheaper than the North, even, you know, even though they came from something that was not, not a lot of money either, right. but their husbands had died. And I was like this little kid who went around and talked to them all. I was really friends with them all. And I can just imagine they'd kind of look at each other and wink you know, because back there I went by James, you know, I'm JV now, but I was James originally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I'm sure they'd look, wink at each other and go, James is going to be a millionaire when he grows up, right? Didn't phase me at all. I was certain of the whole thing. By eight, I was drawing pictures of mansions. Wow. Now, I'd never been in a mansion. <laughs> that didn't stop me. I'd seen them on television. Sure. But it's so funny because I remember the- The, the lifestyles of the rich and famous with Robin Leach. <laughs> I can draw a mansion. They just have a lot of big rooms, sure. right? But here's the fun thing. At eight, I didn't know, frankly, at eight, it's a clean show. I'm just saying at eight, I did not know there was anything to do in a bedroom other than sleep. Understood. And I never liked to sleep. I never liked to go to bed. So I had no bedrooms in the mansion. <laughs> I could drive, so there was no garage. Why not? Yeah. And I had what figured do you need those for? I liked to eat and I liked to party. Okay. So there was a big kitchen and then there was a big really fancy breakfast room, fancy dining room for, for, for lunch. And then there was a dining room and then there was an old, you know, plantation, they would have called it a ballroom, but there was a big party room. And then okay. because I had a lake, of course, the lake wasn't what I wanted because I figured that was free. I wanted something, you know, expensive. So I had like an Olympic pool with all these cabanas around it in the back. And so, so we, party. we were going to eat, party and play around the pool. I love it. And I figured that was a pretty good life. You know, I think that um, there are people who've actually made lifestyles out of that. I think you're right. I, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not like advocating anything. I'm just saying I think the Playboy Mansion was probably a whole lot like that, except they probably added some bedrooms and had garages. But there was you know, a grotto. It's probably. <laughs> you know, all I can say is that at eight, I was convinced this was the path for me. So essentially, you were channeling uh, Hugh Hefner. Really. Yeah, yeah. Except at that, that moment, yeah, I didn't know anything about any of that. So, right. You no, know, I just knew that I wanted but the to eight-year-old version of Hugh Hefner. I wanted to be rich. Right. I knew, th- and and so you know, skipping ahead at twenty-five, I had a four-story luxury townhouse. I'd made the first million. I had a Mercedes. I could go to Europe. Wow, at twenty-five, I, that's at pretty 20- cool. It's good it, to have a plan. I, I, Yeah, well, I had a plan. But, you know, I think one of the most important parts of this is that, yes, I grew up very, you know, in a family that had no money. And, but I had been, if you think about it, reprogramming my mind for 20 years. Wow. You're right. Sure. From five. The most important things, I mean, I have a program, Break Through Your Money Ceiling, because one of the most important things is that everybody has to constantly, it doesn't matter where you're at. You're going to have to constantly do this all your life because you're going to new levels and new levels unless you just want to find a level and stay there. But you have to constantly be upgrading your mind and shifting your beliefs. So I was constantly going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire. I had no doubt. I had no no clue of how it would happen, but that was really almost not even material. And really, if you're listening to this today and and maybe you haven't even started your own business because that's the number one way you're going to get there, or you could also do it through real estate, but that's also being an entrepreneur. So it's really being an entrepreneur. Right. You got to start thinking that this is your future. Right. And and, and to believe it with with no doubt. I had no doubt whatsoever. I, you know, and I think a lot of people have asked me. Pretty amazing to me because. What is the belief that you've got to have? And I said, it's. When I hear about people with with that no doubt attitude, that's just amazing to me. I don't, I don't know where that comes from. It's like, is that a gene or do you think you can learn that? It is. I think it is the same thing as the faith of a mother's steed will move the mountain. I think it's having childlike faith. Okay. you just believe at a deep level. And I think for me, it was cellular almost. I think that mm. that moment was transformational, you know, that this was my answer. Yeah. You know, I have, I have, you know, remember the 23rd Psalm? You do because you're you know, raised Christian just like me. We, right, right, right. We times we, sure. I was actually pre-seminary at one point. So I've actually, wow. I actually did read the Bible cover to cover and took a whole lot of courses on it. So I always wow. find humor. That's a completely different story. Yeah. But I always find humor with a lot of, um, let's just say, right-wing people who quote, mis- misquote, uh, completely out of context, and make up all kinds of stories that have nothing to do with whatever that sentence had to say. Yeah, that's and a I, whole nother show. I Because I've never said this on a podcast, so this is you. apparently the potpourri podcast. Yes, yeah. no, but I always find it amusing when I go, yeah, I happen to have read that chapter, and that's not actually what that sentence says at all. That's not really how I took that path. metaphor. You know, yeah, I know it's, it's not literal. You know, I, I think it's more of a metaphor. But this is what I got out of it. You know, yeah. and, and 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 really, it's up to interpretation, isn't it? Oh <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, it, right. it is to interpretation. Uh, that but, is true. But there, I, it, yeah, I, I think what you're talking about is those folks that are are bending it to their agenda. Well, but yeah. I also think they don't even know that it's, you know, that's just, you know, it's kind of like a rallying cry. You know, right. you, you someone can have a motto, 
Okay, so I'll give you my motto. It's right on the wall. Not that I could forget it, but I actually like looking at it multiple times a day. And it's simple. It's again, it's from chapter seven. That's one of my favorite chapters in the book. Uh, Trust perfect timing. Now, without me explaining what that means to me, and it has very specific concrete meaning to me. So it's not a woo-woo, fluffy kind of statement for me. But someone could make up all kinds of stuff about that. What those three words, right? Right. You could take them in all kinds of directions. Sure. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 if you didn't um, read them within the context, they actually fit in a whole section. That's one of the longest sections of my book. It's whole four pages. Most sections are two pages. And unless you read that and understand the context for it, you don't really know what I mean at all. It's just an anchor. For you, yeah. and if you read the book, then then you get the the whole blast with the anchor. It's like I have one of those anchors for the end of the day when my mind is racing. Um, yes. uh, I take a big deep breath, sigh, and then say the truth is still true. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Right? That's really good. I know. Yes. And, and it means something to you, you know, too. Jeff, I, right. I, I have a sense already, you know, I have a sense that we could break open some good wine, and I happen to collect wine, so I've got some good, good wine, and, and we could just meditate on totally. trust perfect timing and the truth that's still trust, true, right? Trust, trust perfect timing is, you know, I do that. You know, so, you know, I don't even have to read your book. I'm there with you. (laughs) But on the 23rd Psalm, I wanted to say, um, you know how it says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, you know, and like, I can't remember, how does it go exactly? I memorized it when I was so young. Something about like... The the valley of death part. The valley of death part, right. And, you know, even if it's sort of like when I was a kid, my kid version, it was like you know, whatever vision of, you know, evil monster demon was in my face. <laughs> right. Right. Like right. kids do. Right. Hiding in the closet. No, no, no. That, that, that somebody with true faith would yawn, roll over and go to sleep. That's uh-huh. true faith. Right. Gotcha. Right. Right. That's true faith because it's like, yes, you, yes that, absolutely. It, that is a phantom. <laughs> that thing that that's, it's never true. Right. That's that that thing that's scaring you is never true. Yawn, go to sleep. That's faith, right? So, uh, yeah, but I I need to. I guess my lesson would be to to learn to apply that to a more broad. Because sometimes I can totally apply that to like all sorts of aspects of my life, but maybe not everything. And so you know, there you go. Growth point for me. <laughs> <laughs> so. So continuing on at 25, I have this beautiful home. I love the story. Yeah. You're the the easiest interview ever. (laughs) You you know what I love is that, you know, this guy, this guy, the the host here, right? Uh, Mr. Smith. That's me. He he asked me before the show, he goes, do you think you have three or four stories you could tell? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I might. I don't know. That's kind of a stretch, but (laughs) I might might be able to come up with them. Let me think for a while. So. So it's so I'm 25. I'm living in this beautiful new home. You know, it's in Florida, and I even had the walls knocked down on the outside so we could add two fireplaces because, of course, we needed fireplaces. But I think it was part of my proving to myself that you know I could afford this beautiful home on this great street. I love, I love and, and of course, I as a little kid, I took piano. So what did I want? You know, I had an upright piano. 
you know, you take off the front and you could play ragtime and everything. But of course, I always wanted a concert grand piano. So what do you do when you've made all this money? You go out and you buy a concert grand piano. And then I laughed because I put it in the window where I knew it belonged. You know, so everybody, so could, everybody see. could see. It, yeah, I left the a, windows. A left the windows. And so it wasn't a mini grand. It was a concert. No, it's a, it right. was actually built in 1830. I still have oh, it. Oh, wow. By, by Broadwood, at the same five-year period, they built two, uh, two pianos for Beethoven. Holy cow. That's yeah, no, piano. I wasn't going to waste. I was, you I was were, going for the. You were not real, messing around. I was not messing around. You were I got myself the Sims for real. Seven feet four <laughs> inches. Let me tell you. So wow. this concert grand piano is standing in the, uh, you know, it's in the window and everything. My, my fireplaces that my joke was, I'd turn up the air conditioning, you know, turn it down real cold so I could light the fires. Um, but anyway, it was about three months into this journey. Because you're in Florida. Because <laughs> I'm in Florida, right. It's never cold enough to light the fire. Right. So you have to turn the air conditioning down. It's like, oh, we got it to 62. All right, light, light the fire. fire. <laughs> That's the best. No, it, it was true, though. And so um, so about three months into this uh, experience, I had this awakening, you know? Yay. Yay. And I'm looking out. I want you to imagine I'm looking out at the bay. I've got palm trees in my front yard. There's, um, I call it a yard because I grew up in the country. It's the lawn, right? And so. I call it a yard. Yeah. And so then there was this bay and there's sailboats and it's sunshiny and it's really beautiful. And I'm looking out at this, at this moment of awareness. And I actually said out loud, wow, I don't even, you know, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I'm miserable. And then I said the magic one, and I don't even like myself, and I'm horrible at relationships, which was about the moment that it dawned on me my life was pretty screwed up, except I'd made some money. Okay. And I said to myself, something is wrong with this picture. Duh, hello. Someone was home and woke up finally. And I said, this this is not, not what I had imagined as a little kid. I mean, I had the trappings, but somehow as a little kid, I just made all these global assumptions that life would be wonderful. Now, if you're listening to this, there's a real point to this story. This is exactly what happened, but I'm asking you right now, are you holding on to a dream that's not really fully flushed out? Mm. Because my dream was I was going to get the beautiful home, right? I'd have the you great car, Check. right? Right. I could go to, go to Europe. I could do all those kinds of things. And, but I didn't know at the time I had the dream that there were a lot of other parts that I was going to be wanting. And so then I literally, you know, I ran off to everything I could. I went to Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and I read every personal growth book. I went to sweat lodges. I went to spiritual retreats. And I said, okay, something is really missing from my life because I'm pretty miserable and I have all this money. So something is wrong with this picture. And what I finally realized, took me a long time to figure this piece out, was that I just no, actually, it took about about, an, about another 15. Wow. <laughs> so I was fast to the money part, but That's slow funny. to the second part. That's cool. Well, and, and there were some family things going on as well, sure. right? Or I would have gotten there I faster. Just, I was anyway. just guessing three years anyway. Yeah. And you were, uh, you were probably having a lot of fun with all those toys. So, Well, I did have some nice toys. That is, yeah, that is I had every car I wanted and all that kind of good stuff. Sure. But what I was missing was feeling fulfilled. And I realized right. that what was the missing piece was that I wasn't doing anything I thought was meaningful with my life. I wasn't doing anything that I thought had any real purpose. I wasn't helping people in a way that I thought really helped their lives. And so I sold those companies and I went off to really intensify the journey. And I took a four month, 30,000 mile road trip inspired, I have to say by Jack Kerouac's book on the road that I read in high school. And Mm -hmm. if you ever read that, it's a road trip. 
right across America. And I said, well, that seemed like kind of fun. I'm going to do that someday. So sold the companies and I went off on this journey where I'm learning about living in the flow, you know, not letting every day make up itself. I end up living in a Buddhist monastery for a couple of months, learning how to meditate. I went to Esalen, which is this human potential place on I've the big surface. Esalen, yeah. Yes, live they there. teach massage too. They do, and I took massage training because I wasn't stupid. All right, and, good for you. And since I, I had a lot of school money, too. Since I, since I had a lot of money, I paid for a lot of massages too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. massage school is great because you get massaged every day. You go. But it is a good deal to, yeah, I would take massage trainings and what do you do in massage trainings? You, you mas- massage <laughs> and then you it's get massaged. A, massage is not a paper and pencil kind of course. No, it's not. Oh, it's, it's practical. It's on it. Hands on affair. That's right. Clothes, massage the hell out of everybody. That's and then in Esalen, let's all go get in the hot tubs for a couple hours. Oh, that's right? awesome. Uh, yeah. Now I want to go. It was hard. That was, hard. Very, that was hard. That was hard. My life, and uh, and then I went and lived in Boulder because you know, and then I shaved my head in Boulder because you got to do that thing, and uh, meditated because that's part of the deal. And then I would go camping for two or three weeks at a time, literally looking for my purpose. I said, I've got all these skills. I got graduate degrees in three areas. You know, I've made money. I have all kinds of directions I could go in. But I had now figured out that the biggest answer in life is that you had to be doing something that was purposeful. That 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 was going to be the interesting part of the life because that's what I could be of service and that the greatest fulfillment was going to come from serving other people in a way that was going to be meaningful to me and them. And so to kind of fast forward that, I was spending the winter skiing in Lake Tahoe because somebody had to go and do that. And I said, okay, I'll volunteer. And uh, folks, it's a joke, all right? <laughs> I so, <got> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I did go for six months and ski because I volunteered. Wow. And I went over to uh, San Francisco for the weekend, which I frequently did because it was three and a half uh, hours away and it was all by interstate. I picked up a brochure to the Green Festival. I would love to give a shout out to them. I'd never heard of the Green Festival before. And, you know, it's all these lectures and books and and demonstrations on stuff that's green and sustainable, which I had, you know, I'd already lived in Boulder. They don't let you leave until you you, you convert and, <laughs> and become a sustainable uh, right. person, sure. right? You've got to become conscious and, and eat granola. And I did all those things. I did everything. And then they said, okay, now you can go out into the world, young man. That's so right. I said, okay. You have graduated Boulder. You've graduated from Boulder, <laughs> from the Boulder Institute. You know, uh, right. so I, and I love Boulder people. I'm not making fun of Boulder. But I don't think they do let you leave until you become an environmentalist and all those kind of sure. things. It's actually impossible to live there. And not pretty much convert to all these things that yeah, you have to be a Broncos fan. You have to there's uh, certain certain things that check boxes, right? That's right. You have to acclimate to high, uh, high altitude. High altitude that just happens. I mean, you don't have to do it. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to drink micro brew beer because oh, that's not that's, a, that's not a stretch. Right? But yeah, it's not a huge not stretch. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's not like the worst thing to have no, to do. No. So um, and especially the setups where you go in and the microbrewery makes eight beers and then you get about three or four ounces of each one. It's called a setup and they I, put it. I love uh, setups. And in, in Southern California, they call them flights. Yeah. That's another word you could use for them. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't like the, the word flight as much as a setup, but yeah, because usually there's only four on a flight. Yeah. No, <laughs> these, these, you, you'll get however many they make, usually that's six awesome. or eight. Yeah, and you know, and they have them on little dots, you know, so it mm-hmm. describes each one of them, yeah. you know, as if by the time you drink, you know, then I'd get about two or three of those because I would. Would you? You know, I don't like loggers. I'm just You're not, not a big just, fan I, of loggers. No, 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 no. Now I like I'm the an ale guy. 
I like the pale ales. I like, I like the IPA. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And the nutty browns are good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I, just, I'm mostly yeah. a hop head now. So yeah, yeah, yeah that that stuff that kind of tastes like I'm drinking tar. That's what pine. it feels. Like. It's like pine tar. <laughs> I'm going. I don't know. I I just don't. I'd go like, hey, can we switch this one out? You know, just you know, just give me one of the little pale ales that hardly has any color. I'll be happy. You know, you know. And at some point, you can't read the description, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so, you know, but you know, the dark one. You didn't want that one. It was just like, no, I don't want the tar. I actually so, brewed beer for a while, so I. I became a beer oh, snob. So you understand. Yeah, I became a beer snob for yeah. a while. Yeah. Oh, I'm still well. a beer snob, but I don't brew homebrew anymore. I still brew it now. Right, right. Yeah. I well, got over it. Yeah, I understand. It's <laughs> it's so so I'm I'm going over and I pick up this green festival brochure and I come back to I was actually staying in Reno, which is right over the, the mountain from Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, because it's Love not in Tahoe. California. And one right. of the things you don't know about me, folks, is I'm a, a tax attorney, and California has the highest taxes in the country. So the right. last thing I wanted to do was be a taxable entity called me in California. Amen. I, yeah. I'm, I'm trying well, to work my way out of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, that so I'm over good, there and I'm in this amazing me. apartment because they built all these apartments for people who are actually from California. And so I had, you know, like my own jacuzzi tub, my own garage and fireplace and all this kind of stuff. And there it actually got cold. So it made sense to light the fire. And so I got in the hot tub because I'm a hot tub kind of guy. Love hot tubs. And I'm looking down and reading the, the, the green brochure. Mm-hmm. And I had been thinking for a couple of years that maybe the deal was I wanted to create a millionaire program, but there were just so many millionaire programs about that I would just call kind of vapid smoke and mirrors. Um, it was Amen. really about yes. selling empty box and nobody cared if anybody actually got anything out of the empty box. They just wanted to, you know, get really good at selling the empty box to everybody right. in, in the room. All structure, no content. Yeah, No content. And I was right. very turned off by all that. And uh, so I didn't really know what direction I wanted to go in. You know, I just kept going, yeah, I really want to help people move forward in their life financially. And I'm all into personal growth. And to me, they're all intertwined. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the word conscious. And right literally in my forehead, I saw the phrase conscious millionaire. And that's a lot of how I get my intuition. It's very visual. Mm. And I got a tingling in my spine. And then I've got I all this training. <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah. all this training in LP and I try to figure out the next sensory piece, but I can't. All I can say is is I just knew that this is what I'd been looking for. And I immediately even said it right out loud. Wow, this is my assignment. Because that's what it felt like. Mm. Like I, like I right, had right. just received, for lack of a better word, a transmission. Right. You know, like it was kind of very much like when I had this realization at five, I was going to be a millionaire. It very much was like that. Because from that moment forward, I knew. And in that moment, I said, this is it. Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been looking for. I'm going to build a program called Conscious Millionaire. And knowing how the universe works, I stayed in the hot tub for another 40 minutes because I just wanted to kind of revel. You wanted to bask in that. Yeah. Now, I I keep putting the seat out there in case somebody who's a a director goes, wow, this make a good movie. Listen, in the movie, I'm willing for us to have the bottle of Cabernet and the glass because there was no wine. But it seems like for this to be the perfect Hollywood movie, you've got to have a glass of wine. Well, you would have to be also Brad Pitt. And then there would also have to be. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. they look very much alike, folks. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. J.B. I mean, Crumb III, played by Quartus Brad Pitt. Because yeah. you know I'm a seven, and God knows he's. <laughs> he's, a, he's a 12. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. His, his five and my seven makes him 12, right? So, um, at any rate, 
I got out and then being the good attorney, I filed, you know, trademarks all over the place. I've got all these trademarks unconscious. I'm not a, you know, as I go, I'm, I'm not the smartest kid in the room, but by golly, I'm not the dumbest either. So, um, but I knew that this was it. And about six months later, I had, through another kind of revelatory experience, I got the phrase Conscious World, which I also filed my trademarks on. And I now have a global nonprofit, 501c3, that uh, works with youth all over the world, 18 to 25, who are doing projects to uplift humanity. Wow. That's amazing. That's my big legacy piece. Mm. My goal is in, within 10 years to be in 160 countries. Um, I'm very fortunate. Google, um, you know, I applied for the Google grant. So we have $10,000 in Google uh, marketing every month uh, wow. to support support the nonprofit. And uh, we're about to give away our first um, $5,000 scholarship and have our first Conscious World Day. And uh, all of those came about from these, these moments of awakening. All your and veers. All my veers. Yay. <laughs> and, and that really comes from living in that millionaire inner zone that I call it. Yeah. It comes from, and, and what is that zone? It's really about being aware. Amen. It, yes. What is awake? Awaken is, uh, is about being uh, awake is to be aware. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then we could get into it about what that takes, but it's, it's time to stop talking already. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll have to put a pin in that because we can talk about, you know, what you eat and what you sleep and, and exercise and meditation and all those really fun things that you usually talk about on your show with your guests. And I love, but you had such great stories. I just wanted to let you talk. Thank you. Yeah. And this is, uh, this has been an hour or ish, 45 minutes, but you got to go. So I'm going to let you go because I promised I would. Thank you so much. Well, uh, listen, you know what? I'd like to give a gift. Can oh, I do You that? should. You should give a gift. Yes. So there's a formula that when I went from being literally flat broke to a millionaire in three, three years, when I wrote the book, my editor said, oh, JV, you got to tell your story. You got to tell the backstory, which I'd left out of the book. And uh, that's when I went back and had to reexamine and go, well, why did mom shake her fingers at me and tell me not to tell anyone when I was five? Because to me, this was like, like the most important moment of my life. I had figured out what I was going to do with my life. I was going to grow up and be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I went through all those pieces, then I had to look at, well, how did how did I actually, at a time that, you know, it wasn't about making money on the internet. So, you know, like, how did I do that? And it was, I was really doing three steps over and over and over and over and over again. Great. Conscious focused action. So I've written an ebook. It's 60 pages, but folks, I got video link in there. So you can go look at the video version of all this stuff. I got diagrams, I got examples, I got coaching exercises. So you can take this and apply it to your business, to any area of your life, actually, because it will help you accomplish anything you want. But it specifically was what I utilized over and over and over, and I use it all the time. It's how I approach every day of my life now because now I'm conscious of what I was doing intuitively and unconsciously because I think a lot of people who achieve some unusual level of success in some area, that then you have to deconstruct it. Mm, figure how out what did, it is that you're doing. Yeah, and yeah. so I had to deconstruct. It actually took me six months to deconstruct because I had to write a lot of notes to myself and kind of keep analyzing stuff. How did I do that, mm. right? Right. What was I doing? And that's what I was doing over and over. And so I described the steps and each step has three parts to it and exactly how to apply that to your business and growing your business. 
So you can find that at, at consciousmillionaire.com forward slash wealth formula. So it's okay. wealth formula. There's no hyphens. There's no spaces. Consciousmillionaire.com forward slash wealth formula. I want to give that to you absolutely free. And, you know, I love your your podcast and I really am honored. Thank you so much for letting me be on your podcast. It's great to be a guest here. And I want to invite you to come listen to the Conscious Millionaire podcast and just go to consciousmillionaire.com. There is the podcast right on the homepage, and there is also a podcast tab, and it'll take you to both of the podcasts, and you can look at any of the episodes, listen, subscribe. Love to have you come and uh, be a part of Conscious Millionaire as well. That's great. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. It has been fun. And, <laughs> you know, and we'll have to go back and, and talk about Tokyo again sometime. For sure. Right? Yeah, you're going to be on the show again, like six months to a year or maybe sooner. I don't know when, but I'll, I will reach out again. Yeah, in six months, maybe a year. Could be a decade. No, no, it'll be it'll be sooner than that. <laughs> it was a blast. Thank you so much. It was Thank a lot you, of fun. sir. Have a good one. Enjoy your benefit. Oh, yes, I will. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.